was 1992, February the 2nd, a Sunday. Early in the afternoon, the NFC beat the AFC 21 to 15 in the otherwise meaningless Pro Bowl on ABC. The week before, the Washington Redskins, yeah, people thought that name was okay, beat the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl. On this second day of February, acknowledged by many as Black History Month, an incredible cinematic sonic collision would come to television that night on ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, and MTV. Do you remember when MTV played music videos before Teen Mom and Teen Mom 2 and the ridiculousness of today? We were young and innocent then. There were rumors and stories that the biggest popular musician in the world, in fact, the king of pop, couldn't be trusted with children. Those were the whispers. What was undeniable was that this man, Michael Jackson, an entertainer of lighter, nearly translucent skin, shocked the world at the time by producing what was considered at the time one of the blackest 10 minutes of television since Harry Belafonte interviewed his friend, Dr. King, in February of 1968. There was an Egyptian pharaoh, Eddie Murphy, a Nefertiti, the model, Amon, Magic Johnson, Corn Rolls, the Sphinx, a slew of Soul Train and in Living Color dancers, and even the muscle-bound Debo of the movie Friday fame. The message was clear. To remember the time is not to be divided by our many shades of skin or to be divided and to use offensive language to describe that skin, but to be united in our common origins as humans, tracking back to Egypt, back to the continent of Africa. Visually, the mini music movie was an awakening that would send Michael Jackson to the 1993 Super Bowl halftime show. But for many Chicagoans, an equally persuasive TV experience made its mark on Saturday nights. It wasn't live, it wasn't from New York, but it was woke, or at least awake. The show Awakening already had been a revelation to a young April Pettis. Today, we'll meet a full-grown and married April L. Pettis, or her married name, Osuji author of Singled Out, So Into God, Leading Every Decision. I'm Valerie Johnson, and this is Interludes. Interludes, a pure lighthouse production, brought to you by A1 Pestmasters. For all your exterminating and pest control needs, call A1 Pestmasters. And now, all the way live from the south side of Chicago, give it up for your host, Valerie Johnson. Do you remember Marquita Perry? She was young and innocent then. It was 1991. Marquita was immature and bright, like a diamond, whose stories shone on the small screen, like the morning sun. (laughs) 
just waking up in the morning? Gotta thank God. I don't know, but this thing seems kind of odd. When you try to put the show into words is when you begin to stretch for synonyms. But the truth is, seeing is believing. Of course, believing is what it's all about when it comes to the mission of evangelization at the heart of the awakening. This is a religious soap. Founded by Chicago minister Dr. Clifford E. Turner, the cable novella, which appeared every Saturday night on a local station, the product of Hollywood Studios, was designed to reach into the hearts and win souls to non-denominational Christianity. Dr. Turner's creativity team understood something seemingly contrary to their mission. Conflict is great for ratings. Here in a Christian show, nothing seems out of bounds. If it happened in real life, it happened to Marquita. Sex, drugs, gangbanging, homelessness, and the everyday struggle of pressure from one's peers all popped up in the stories acted out by amateur thespians who were dressed in the same clothes people really wore. The show made what could otherwise be lofty and theoretical quite tangible and accessible. Yes, it could be corny, but what soap opera isn't? Evil twins, mistaken identities, underground worlds, unbelievable, yet the awakening connected to a young April Pettis in ways that would transform her life. Pettis didn't grow up in the projects, the PJs, of the south side of Chicago like the awakening's Marquita. Instead of the PJs, Pettis knew of the life of a PK, that is a preacher's kid, as the daughter of local ministers Stephen and Laura Pettis. While April's parents wanted her to follow in their faith as the firstborn, they didn't exactly want her to follow in their footsteps. Like so many other parents, top professions of medicine and law were stuff of dreams. Yet after Turner's awakening for April, it was a wrap. As April Osuji writes and singled out, so into God leading every decision about the show, beginning, quote, At the age of 12, she accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of her life after watching a popular Christian show, The Awakening. The section continues, beginning, quote, Since then, she has been on fire for the Lord, though her love for her Lord and passion to live a godly life has led her to endure persecutions throughout the years, end quote. In her self-published book, April Suji describes an experience in which a young man tried to venture from the friend zone to the end zone, causing a near crisis within her family. At this moment, you see the connection between the author and her earthly father, a man of faith. A reader can understand the struggle of being a single black woman in an ever-changing dating landscape. It's the stuff of TV sitcoms. When you're a magazine publisher, like an enterprising entrepreneur, a passionate attorney, a socialite, or a domestic, it can be tough to live a single, single, single life. In a world that can feel like a stage, it can be hard to tell your own story while reading men who enter and exit in disappearing acts that make you wonder if they're magicians or if you're just haunted. 
and in need of an exorcism. Sometimes you can look into the mirror mirror and simply feel as insecure as Issa. Sometimes you can look into the mirror mirror on the wall and simply wish you had more girlfriends who stand behind you through thick and thin. Sometimes you can look into the mirror mirror on the wall and arm yourself for battle. Pop open the makeup, lay the foundation, affix the eyelashes, pencil the eyebrows, roll on the lipstick, brush the blush, hide the lace front. See for a change the beautiful person you are and the beautiful person you're becoming. But you should know that no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Eleanor Roosevelt said that. Yes. Another special lady like yourself. The idea of employing inner strength to overcome feelings of insecurity and inferiority are not new, yet have to be renewed. The book Singled Out is one of those stories that make you want to tell your own story. Seeing someone in pursuit of emotional healing makes you want to seek out your own and have the understanding that low self-esteem won't disappear just because you exchange wedding vows. What are your triumphs? What are your accomplishments? What are the hard lessons that have helped you forge your success? For some, the insight that black history started before slavery in America and traces back to the Egyptian pharaohs and other African kings and queens and inventors, artists and artisans, for others, the revelation that societal ills can be overcome by spiritual knowledge is the awakening. What exactly does it all mean to be singled out? We will find out today from author April L. Osuji. I'm Valerie Johnson, and this is Interludes. Interludes. A Pure Lighthouse Production, brought to you by A1 Pest Masters. For all your exterminating and pest control needs, call A1 Pest Masters. And now, let's meet. April Osuji. Hi, April. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a great day. Went grocery shopping and enjoying the day. <laughs> good gracious. Um, so I remember getting some emails and messages on Facebook that you were self-publishing a book. And so mm -hmm. I just want to just find out what's been going on with that. What inspired the title of your book? Um, so a few years ago, it was probably a little more than a few years ago, probably like five, six years ago, um, our church, we do a, a word explosion or a conference for the whole month of January. And prior to that, um, the Lord was leading me to take sabbaticals and just kind of <laughs> basically uh, take some time to really focus on him, to really be focused on him. And so uh, when I was sitting in prayer and the Lord gave me, I need you to be singled out. Now, people here, obviously they think about the marital status, but it was really so into him leading every decision, so singled out. That's how it just kind of the acronym came along. Um, just in prayer time and um, 
you know, you could be married, but you still need to be singled out. You need to still be focused on what God is leading you to do. So um, I kind of, you know, did a twist on the words. So people think it's about being single, which you do, you know, and share my single experience, but it also is allowing God to lead your decisions. So. Oh, okay. All right. And when you got the acronym and the thought process for the title, Mm-hmm. Did that lead to writing the book or were you experiencing something in your life at that time to say, you know what, I need to talk about what I've been going through? So the book is actually like a 15 year process of my journaling experience. All right. Overall. The title itself may have been just, like I said, the last, let's say seven years. I mean, I'm trying to think of it was a little, not more than 10, but, um, and so it's been a journaling experience. And so my journaling experience kind of led me to write the book. And I had already said, you know, always said, I'll write a book, I'll write a book, I'll write a book one day. And it never come. But um, actually, my husband during our honeymoon was like, you need to write a book. And I was like, during our honeymoon, I'm like, kicking it. (laughs) Have a good time. And he really, he said it because he's always heard me say that I wanted to write a book. So um, he kind of like kept putting it in my you know, ears, write the book, go ahead and do it. You know, you're putting everything that you um, wrote in your journal experience on paper for people to hear and to read. So that's how it really, the book came to be, but it's like been my journaling experience. So. Oh, okay. Wonderful. Um, I, I read through, I liked what I read. Um, Mm -hmm. I love the chapter on emotional healing. Mm -hmm. Um, I love, uh, I'm going to, actually quote what I'm reading here. Stop blaming the person that wronged you. What keeps us in bondage is our reaction to the person. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you were going through your sabbatical and or writing, Mm -hmm. what inspired this particular chapter on emotional healing? Um, I had to actually, besides relationship, I had been in a relationship with somebody on and off for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And it didn't make a difference what I did (laughs) to really keep it going or moving. Um, He couldn't give me what was not in him. That was, and I kept blaming him. Like, you know, I'm not married because of you, you know, I'm this because of you. And I can't shift the blame on somebody who I have to take ownership of my feelings, my emotions, who I am as an individual. Um, That was one. Two is when, you know, the hurt really comes really more so with people that's close to us outside people you don't really have to worry about them you're like okay whatever but like the people that's close to you really gives the damage and i think i was allowing people's voices that were close to me to really um change my thinking make me think something's wrong with me because i wasn't married because you know i hadn't had these benchmarks that i should by 30 by 32 by 35 um and, and it even started before it started at 25 so you know it kind of i had to stop shifting blame other people take ownership and take control of my emotions and be in the driver's seat because i had allowed a lot of people to drive my emotions um for the bad <laughs> Oh, that's not good. But I totally get. So I think uh, you kind of almost answered my next questions for you. Mm-hmm. Like this is the, your core our audience for this uh, book would be singles, married. Who would you who would you think? I, you know, I've really been looking at it and read it. And, and what I did was before I released the book, I gave it to different age groups and different marital status um, groups of people, mm-hmm. as well as people who were not Christian. 
just to get their view on it. And uh, they really said they took a lot of different nuggets for it. So I think it's for all age groups. I feel like, you know, particularly if you're in your faith and you just need God to lead you, you know, leading with your career, leading with friendships, because this is giving go with friendships. I had to redefine friendships the last couple of years, which is very hard for me because if you're in a church circle, everybody assume you got to be cool. You got to be friends and you can have a good church relationship. Like we work on auxiliaries together but outside of church. I had to realize that some people just not your friends, April, and it's okay. <laughs> and it's hard to do when you have grew up in the church and everybody grew up in the same, you know, environment and people change, people outgrow each other. Um, and so that was kind of like my lens that everybody could take from this, you know, even with friendships that I had to literally forgive by faith, you know, for things that was, you know, happening in the friendship, you know, um, career choices, allowing God to lead me in my next you know, move just recently. I mean, I was at a company for um, 13 years and my mother pushed me to leave to take this another opportunity. And I was nervous and I, you know, I had been there for so many years and then to take this as a main leader, I was like kind of nervous, but I really allowed not just her wisdom, but even God to just lead me to even make that decision. So I feel like in your everyday life, everyone needs to take from this. You know, you can take it with your self-esteem because you can have low self-esteem and be married. And I talk to people all day long who they're married, but they still got low self-esteem. You know, they got somebody in their bed, but they still feeling lonely. You know, so when you allow God to lead you, he will, from the word of God, he'll really center you on what you need to do for yourself. Here's a, when you were, you, I, I read that you became a Christian at 12. Mm -hmm. um, if you were to answer the question, what would you be when you grow up, grew up? Are you what you want to be? Have you ever thought, oh, I want to do this or I want to do that? Are you, are, are you in your purpose? Um, I'm in my purpose. When I was 12, I wanted to be a doctor, like Dr. Huxtable from the Cosby show. Okay. And I know talk about Dr. Huxtable now, but. I really admired the show. I love Dr. Huxtable. I love children. Um, I actually do in high school. Shout out to Providence St. Mayo. I went um, and did internships every summer in high school at Evanston Hospital because I wanted to be a pediatrician. Um, so, you know, just kind of, I was doing that all day long. You know, my parents supported that because that's all I talked about. My yearbooks, everyone signed my yearbook, Dr. April Pettis. So it was like, that's something that I had made very evident. And it started to change in, in college when I was an RA um, at North Park. And um, the Lord literally, and it was in a room and the Lord said ministry. And I didn't know what that meant. And um, to be honest with you, people thought like, oh, you know, her parents are going to be like, amen. And they were not. <laughs> they were very, uh, my mother, I'll say this, my mother was like, uh-uh, no, you're going to be a doctor. And people think because my, pa my parents are pastors, like, oh, they wanted us to go down this vein. They really want us to be good Christians. But um, I said ministry and, um, you know, it, it took even some faith for my mom to believe that I was going to go into ministry in this way. And so, you know, am I my purpose? I feel like I am giving prescription of God's word to people. I can take it that way. Uh, I do help people. I do help children. I, you know, am good with the youth at our church. 
Um, and so I think that I'm in that vein, you know, my, my whole mission honestly was to help people. So I think I'm doing that. I'm in that purpose. I love it. I'm in childcare now. So it's, it's all good now. <laughs> right, that's what I'm talking about. Um, you're coming up. When, when is your, uh, wedding anniversary? Uh, June 22nd. So you're coming up on a year. Yep. Mary, what have both you and your husband been learning about God and marriage? You know what? It is one, and, and we just talked about this, is accountability. He makes me accountable. I make him accountable. And I think that that's what God intended for marriage to be. That, you know, when he say two is better than one, meaning let me hold you accountable to what the covenant says. And it's being accountable, you know, making him accountable to, you know, um, all right, honey, we're going to make sure that, you know, we're, we're exercising or staying healthy or staying fit. And he's saying to me, we got to make sure that you be on a straight nerve path with your finances because, you know, when you're single, you just kind of like <laughs> doing your whole thing. I know I was. And so it's accountability. I think that that's what we both learn is about accountability and just um, continue to be friends. I mean, I think with now the season that we're in, the pandemic, and um, he's working from home and I'm at home and the only time we're out is ministry related, which is to do the taping for our, you know, our pastor. And then we're back at home. So it's not like we kick it also because plus we live in the suburbs and there's nowhere to kick it. And is really just being friends. Like I like being around him. Good. And I think that that's a good thing. You know, when you like being around somebody and I get irritated by him or, you know, like, Oh gosh, here you go standing over here again. Or you got those joggers on, you know, it's like, come on, you know? So I don't even feel irritated. But it's just really, I like being around him. And I think that because we matured in so many areas for this season in our life, probably five years ago, I probably wouldn't be at this maturity. Okay. Um, and so for me, I think I got all that silliness out um, and became mature. And so like now we're enjoying being seasoned as aged to have a marriage. <laughs> <laughs> but you, believe you me, you, there'll be a whole lot more to learn. There'll yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I feel like you got a, you guys have a great, solid foundation. Right. All right, kiddo. So if people would like to purchase and support your book, mm -hmm. um, what is your website and what email address can they reach out to you for? Yes. So um, the website is singledout21.com. Um, all the information is on there. They can also go on Amazon and purchase the book. Be all good. You can also email me um, at well, singledout21.com. There's a portal where you can email me as well um, to any questions or concerns or anything that you may have. Feedback. Um, I also have a Facebook page. Um, you can, you know, check that out as well. And so as we continue to branch and build and get strength, we'll change the single out 21 to, you know, the permanent website. That would be great to extend different things and just help people with their journey. I mean, that's really, you know, my part in life now at this age is to really help other people because I get it. You know, you can hear so many voices, so many people framing your timeline saying you need to do this. You need to do that. And, um, you know, building your self esteem because every day is a walk of faith every day. <laughs> every day, every day is the walk of faith. 
Mm. You know, it's a walk of faith. It's a walk of faith with forgiveness. It's a walk of faith in love. It's a walk of faith in, um, you know, being doing doing your purpose, I should say. So. All right. Well, I want to thank you. Um, this is my cousin. I want to make sure I, put, I point that out. <laughs> April Osuji. Yes. You got that? Oh, yes. Yes. This is Valerie Johnson, and this is Interludes. time on interludes sometimes as women you know you need an accountability partner to encourage you um and to not let you talk yourself out of something is a good thing um and that's why i think it's so important to have positive people in your space executive director at vision to rise incorporated and founder and co-executive director at a girl's gift incorporated erica hardin gibson on the next interludes Interludes, original concept by Valerie Johnson, written and produced by Michael Womble and Valerie Johnson. Song intro and outro produced by Kendall Nesbitt. Interludes, a pure lighthouse production, brought to you by A1 Pest Masters. For all your pest control and exterminating needs, call A1 Pest Masters at area code 773-365-9962 or visit their website at a1pestmasters.com. <laughs>